Hello, everyone. How are you? Welcome back to another episode of Getting Grilled. I am your host, John Grill, and I'm here today with a very good friend of mine. Her name is Jamie Devin Wilson. Full name here, because that's what we do. And she is here to have a conversation about all the amazing things she does with um, fraternities and sororities and her guest speaking ventures. And also, we're going to talk a little bit about our backstory and how we met and something that is near and dear to both of our hearts. So I think we're going to start there. Jamie, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I cannot complain. I am sitting at home, socially distancing away from everyone except for my dog and my lovely fiance and um, recording podcasts. Awesome. Yeah, I'm in New Jersey for the first time in a really long time. My parents are from Jersey and um, my husband and I live in New Hampshire now. So I'm here for the week to say goodbye to my childhood home. That is so sad. Um I had oh. I had two childhood homes and same by to them were were pretty sad. Um and I've actually I've been to your childhood home and it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a lot of friends from the town you're you're uh from and um you know, as much as it's cool that your parents are, you know, moving on, you know, it's really sad to see someone lose a house like that. Not lose, you know what I mean. Um yeah, definitely. say goodbye. <laughs> so, Jamie, we know each other through something cool. We know each other through uh sleepaway camp. And I think with everything that's going on in, you know, 2020 and the past couple of years with kids being so, so involved in so many things at once, I think camp and camp life have kind of gone, you know, to the back burner for a lot of families. Um, But I, you know, me and you were both proponents of camp life. And uh, I want to talk about that, you know, why we think camp life is so important and, you know, helped us become the people we've become. Yeah, I think you're spot on. And it's really sad. Just like me saying goodbye to my house. I think it's really sad because last year we had to say goodbye to our childhood camp. Uh, Our camp closed down last year. And I know a lot of people were really heartbroken to just think, oh, some of us had plans to send our kids there one day. Or I mean, we used to joke about buying the camp and being owners. I wasn't joking. (laughs) I was serious. I would buy that in a heartbeat as soon as I won the lottery. I know, me too. (laughs) Um, And maybe, um, you know, maybe the world will change. But I think what's really upsetting is I think camp, to some extent, made me who I am today. I mean, there's a lot of other contributors, which we'll talk about later, especially within sorority life. But I think for both of us, you know, there were a lot of roles that we could play at camp that made us better leaders, wanting to be business owners, wanting to just have a life for our future families that kind of cultivated at camp. So mm-hmm. I, it's really sad to think that camp um, camps are on the decline. And with COVID-19, um, financially, a lot of camps can't afford to continue mm-hmm. if you're, you know, if students or students, sorry, campers aren't able to come back. So you know, I think, and this is something I talk about with my coworkers all the time. I think a lot of it has to do with kids are just involved in so many things. And I think another big thing other than being involved in whatever they're involved with is actually technology has kind of taken over instead of being outdoors. And I, you know, every Friday I tell my kids two things and I'm in high school, so I can get away with this. Mm -hmm. I tell them one, do not get arrested. Yeah. And I have great kids, by the way. I'm just joking around. 
um, do not get arrested and go play outside. And they're like, no, I'm going to play video games all weekend. I'm like, all right, fine, I, I guess. Yeah. But, um, you mm-hmm. know, I, I absolutely agree with you that camp, whether it be a sleepaway camp or a day camp, because I did work at one of those as well, yeah. made me the person I am as far as being a camper and then working there. And I, I see, you know, me and you, but there's a lot of people from both camps that have gone on to do great things. And I don't have enough fingers and toes to count the amazing people that are doing amazing things that came mm-hmm. out of camp. Now, I'm not saying that someone that didn't have a camp experience couldn't go on to do those yeah. things. But I think the camp experience and a lot of it being independent away from your parents, which is yes. an, another topic that can be a four hour podcast i think (laughs) um has a lot to do with it but um i'm really sad to see the decline and i'm hoping with you know maybe a bright side of covid19 is um families staying together Mm -hmm. not being separate because of having a million things to do kind of brings it back in a way that you know maybe families go to camp together parents work kids go to camp. That's what happened to me. I I get to thank my mom and my uncles for that. And they were campers. I'm a camper. And, you know, if and when I have kids, they will be campers somewhere, I hope. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I I agree. So what, what, how do I phrase this right? What are like one or two things that you are still using from camp in your life now? Hmm. I think patience might be a huge one. I mean, this might not be, this might not come from being a camper, but being a camp counselor mm-hmm. and working at a day, at a day camp and a sleepaway camp. I think I am a typical New Jersey girl. And before I learned um, that patience is truly a virtue, I think I was very quick to make decisions and think that I needed to always have the answer. But I think camp definitely taught me that you can take a step back, um, take a moment to breathe, go take that hike or that walk. Like being outside was so amazing, but taking that space to make a really good decision or a real, or be able to even just have a conversation, um, taking that space and being patient, definitely came from camp. I'm trying to think, I mean, my leadership, like my leadership style, I think, you know, fraternity and sorority life and working in higher education, I think your your leadership style constantly changes. But at the end of the day, I think I first started to be a leader from Camp Luema. Um, and I think being a leader takes a lot. But I think just understanding patience, understanding how to communicate with one another, um, that being a camper when you're stuck in a bunk with like 14 other, you know, high school, oh, however yeah. old ages we were. Oh, yeah. uh, so communication was, was key. Learning that communication often and accurate communication, uh, that all came from camp. So I think people telling me that I talk too much, I always roll my eyes because I think you should be a a communicator all the time and that if people don't want to listen they can tune you out or turn you off but I think especially working in higher education I'm sure you would understand working um, in a high school that most of the time you know if you over communicate you're going to get a lot of the information out there quicker and faster um, and the more time somebody hears it the more impactful it's going to be so I think communication my leadership style and patience are probably the three things off the top of my head. I agree with all three. And I think those are all three things that I got from camp as well. I do not think I would be able to 
deal with, and I don't mean deal in a bad way, my 200 something high school kids. If I did not have that patience and leadership training from camp, I, I really don't. And I really think that it made me a better person. Now, granted, mm -hmm. I was a 15-year-old child at camp, and 15-year-olds <laughs> can be jerks. But yeah. looking back on it, I really do think that all three of those things are very important, and I think they're yeah. going to the wayside. So yeah. you had mentioned um, fraternity and sorority life. So I want to move into that because that is something that has been near and dear to your heart for a very long time, ever since yeah. college, if I remember correctly. Um but before we do that, I have a question I have to ask you because, you know, we spoke about this before we started recording. I hope it's okay. Why yeah. do you not call it Greek life? And I made that mistake and that's why I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I personally feel that vocabulary is a, means a lot. And when you see the word Greek, pledge, hazing, all of that stuff, it stems from the negative connotations that Greek life and Greek life from the past, I want to say, um, is perceived as. But I think when people hear fraternity man and frater sorority woman, when they hear fraternity and sorority life, they think about things like community service hours, philanthropic engagements, um, networking. They think about the positive things. So working, I have 2,200 students that I work with, not saying that I know them all individually, but my community is quite large. And they, if anybody talks to you on the street, they're going to say um, fraternity and sorority, especially if I'm around, because I always preach that perception is everything in that community. And they are doing far more good than evil, but it's all about how we tell our story. And I think that's the start is what vocabulary do we use to tell the story correctly? That is a great answer. And I'm never going to say Greek life ever again. That, Thank you. That was fantastic. So, I appreciate it. Everyone. Okay. What is it about sorority and fraternity life that drew you to make it your career? I, you know, it's okay. such a it's such a big world, and you are quite honestly the only person I know that works in that field. And I know it's huge because you know lots of universities, colleges have it. But yeah. what is it about it that you know drew yourself you drew you to it? So I think that's a really multifaceted question. And so I'm going to say it started with my experience as an undergraduate, right? So I'm a sorority woman. I'm a member of Phi Sigma Sigma. Um, and I had a wonderful experience in my undergraduate career um, at University of Rhode Island. But I also had a lot of experiences that are were traumatic, were horrifying, I mean, just things that when you when we talk about what fraternity and sorority should not be, when I was just talking about Greek life, what mm -hmm. it shouldn't be, I was able to participate. I was a victim of things. I mean, there were just different different aspects of my undergraduate experience that um, I think made me who I am and made me want to give back to that community. So I think there are a lot of people as we talk about um, some of the stuff and the topics that I'm going to be doing in the future as a speaker. But I think one of the main drivers to me doing this work is to make sure that men and women at the university 
whether they're in fraternity or sorority life or not, get a really good experience. And I'm sure you being a teacher, you understand this, not all of the work happens inside of a classroom. Mm -hmm. And so we were talking about camp, we were talking, you know, we're talking about fraternity and sorority life. I think all of these other contributors to their undergraduate experience makes them just a better human. And I want to be a driver. I want to be an encourager and I want to help um, students find their way and know that when they're 18 to 22 years old, their brain is still developing. Um, and that a lot of the things that are happening to them or have happened to them, most of the time it's not their fault. And that most of the time um, there are people and resources at the university level, if we're talking about, you know, at the high school level, talking about the amount of resources that people have that they should utilize so that they can make sure that their mental health, their physical health, their emotional health is a priority. And so for me, you know, going into this career was really about how can I help educate, um, build curriculum, work with students every single day, um, but that outside of the classroom work. And that's a long drawn out no, um, that answer. No, that's awesome. So for me, I was not part of a uh, fraternity in college. Um, if I remember correctly, I think Boston doesn't allow fraternities or sororities. I might be wrong with that. Um, but I just remember that we did try to start a uh, music service uh, fraternity called Phi Mu Alpha, and they yeah. shot us down right away and they blamed the, the city government for it, um, oh. which, which you know, I have a lot of friends that were in it. And then, you know, there are others, too. Um, you know, my fiance was in one and it's the name is slipping my mind right now. She's going to kill me. Um, her <laughs> sisters might come after me. But um, I didn't get that experience. And I feel like it was something that I would actually really like. Um, yeah. You you probably yeah i, I yes. get it you know it would probably be very good for me but um you know I, you, I, you hear about all these people and opportunities they had in college and then after college with mm -hmm. with connections from brothers and sisters and mm -hmm. i think it's really cool that you took something you really like and you you know are making it your life which is cool because i'm trying to do the same thing you know my big influences growing up were my band teachers and here i yeah. am i didn't go to school for it but here I am. I, I switched careers. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's awesome. So what is your plan now? Because I'm looking at your beautiful new website that just launched. And what is your plan with this website? And how is it going to help, you know, fraternities and sororities? Yeah, so I think, um, I mean, just so your um, audience knows, you know, I work at a university right now, and I oversee all of uh, fraternity and sorority life. But I've always had this kind of dream and passion to be a speaker, um, eventually write a book, um, and then be able to write my own curriculum to bring to other universities. So the first thing I'd like to say is it's not really only geared to fraternities and sororities. And so as you explore the website, I... Um, I really have a bunch of options that do gear towards fraternities and sororities, but a lot of the work is very transferable. So a lot of the work is about leadership development. It's about bystander intervention. Um, you know, I do community building. So that stuff can happen at the high school level through college. And it's really about engaging the customer. So whoever, you know, wants to hire me, I will be able to work with their groups. But I mean, 
I thought of the idea a very long time ago. And so if people um, are interested after they listen to this podcast, they can go to my website and I'm sure John will drop that link um, in the podcast for you all. But, But I think, you know, the whole project came to be because I was kind of sick of just doing one thing. I'm really a go-getter. My personality is never really to, you know, stick with one thing. And I thought, how can I do, kind of have a side hustle and how can I do what I love in other areas and reach more students across the country um, and reach professionals across the country and do trainings with them. And so um, yeah, that's, that's how the website came to be. <laughs> well, I, I gotta say, and you know, we did talk about us before we recorded, uh, the person who built it did a great job. This is, I'm, I'm on it right now. I'm looking at it and there's great pictures of you engaging an audience and you know, there's a, it's just a great website. So props to your, uh, I think you said your student that helped you build it and yeah. it's really cool. What is your favorite topic to talk about with students, whether it be college or high school? Okay. Well, I think my favorite personally is recruitment and retention. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think my probably niche area, which is fun, right? Recruitment and retention is fun. It's engaging. Um, I'm really good at it. So I'm really able to give students and and professional skill, a skill set to recruit and retain their members. Um, But I think my niche area is really on bystander intervention and sexual assault prevention and violence, which is not an easy topic to talk about. doesn't sound like it, but it is something that needs to be talked about. I mean, you know, the high school level, we, we talk about it a lot as far as you know, professional mm-hmm. development and where to, you know, if we see it, you know, what to do. Yeah. But I yeah. think it's still uncomfortable for a lot of people to even to even think about it. And I think bystander intervention is something that, you know, is really important. So, yeah. yeah. So can I ask why that topic is near and dear to your heart? You know, like I said, it it's, can be an uncomfortable subject, but share with us why yeah. that one. Yeah, so I am a survivor of sexual violence, and I know we are really good friends, but I probably have never shared that with nope, you. you have not. So looking at your eyes, I'm actually you're gonna make me cry because I feel so like sorry. <laughs> I don't um, need to cry. No, don't 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 feel sorry. Okay. I think it's something that you know. Um, I would say like you're one of my closer friends, and you know so. I think you knowing that and the audience that's listening, knowing that that's how hard this topic is to talk about and that many people did not know that that happened, that when it happened, it happened during my undergraduate career at college. Um, And so, I mean, I, I guess it's my topic because it it's my experience. Mm -hmm. And I think as an educator, um, it was time for me to figure out how to work on myself so that I can educate others and make others um, kind of own their story, own how to, um, when somebody divulges information about their own assault, like how do students and members of families um, answer that, you know, and how do they correctly respond so that the survivor feels supported. Um, I felt like I wanted to be somebody who can help uplift survivors to tell their story. I just, and I also want to educate on bystander intervention. And I think that my experience um, that happened to me, uh, it took a long time to get there. And so I kind of pushed 
all of my feelings and what happened to me down for almost 10 years. So I was having panic attacks and nightmares and um, just, I've always had it in the back of my head, but I kind of just dealt with it day by day. You know, every single day I'd wake up, it's like, oh, it's a nightmare. It's not a big deal. I can be my strong self. And people who know me, um, it's it's really hard to be vulnerable. And I think something I've learned through my journey um, in therapy is that, you know, being vulnerable is one of the biggest attributes to being a speaker and educator and connecting with our students um, and honestly each other. So Jamie, uh, you mentioned a word that I actually wanted to touch on and that was therapy. Now, um, you know, I have no issue telling people that, you know, I've been in therapy for a lot of my life and it's, it's helped. And I don't think, you know, it's as taboo as people think. And I wish other people would realize that, uh, that it's not taboo and it is one of the best things you can do for yourself. Even if you don't think you need it, you might, you know, um, so let's, let's talk about therapy and how that helped you and, you know how that kind of yeah. made you the person you are now. Yeah, well, it is Mental Health Awareness Month, it so is. That, this is perfect. Um, yeah, I mean, essentially, I know you probably already know this, but my sister is a social worker and a, and a, ther- a psychotherapist. And, um, you know, I would tell her some of my symptoms of having these panic attacks and my hands wouldn't stop shaking. And um, she was like, I can't be your therapist, so you need to go get one. Mm-hmm. And so... It took a really long time. I mean, I think I kind of lived with this PTSD and anxiety probably for close to 10 years. Um, And about a year and a half, two years ago, I found an amazing therapist um, in New Hampshire where I live. Um, And I just said, I'm really strategic. And so I'm not sure, you know, there are different types of therapy for everyone. But I said, I'm coming in for this. And I want to know what kind of plan can we set up so I can get rid of these symptoms, essentially. I know that I'm always going to be a survivor of sexual assault, but how can I get rid of these symptoms or learn to cope? And she um, suggested a bunch of options. And uh, within six to eight weeks of therapy, we did something called EMDR. And so it's um, pretty... Uh, for, it's really used a lot with military um, and, and survivors that have traumatic experiences. And she said to me, it's, it's really hard. Um, she said that, you know, we're going to be going through your trauma multiple times in order for your brain to stop thinking that you're in the moment and that the trauma is happening to you now when you have a panic attack and to try to move that and move it to a space where I am safe and I am an independent woman and that nothing is happening to me right now so that I can move through my life with having, without having panic attacks. And so I, it took about six to eight weeks of the EMGR um, to to kind of finish that and a lot of coping skills. But uh, within 10 weeks, I felt like I was a brand new woman. And that sounds so corny. Um, but I really, truly believe in the power of um, get a really good therapist. You can shop around. Yes. Um, it doesn't hurt. And um, I mean, the therapy that we did there and I continued. So you mentioned that you don't need to have an issue. You don't need to be, you know, have a problem. Nope. Um everybody's mental health matters. We all go through things in our lives um, every day that we can 
be having somebody to talk to is really important. That's a third party. And so I um, continued to see her biweekly since then. And it's just been an amazing way to kind of reframe some of the things that I do at work, the things that I do in my everyday life, my relationship with my husband and my trauma so that I can move through life a little bit easier. And that's really why I love therapy. I Listen, I, you know, you, you that was great. You know, I love therapy for the same reasons. The independent third party that has no prior, you know, knowledge of you and can give you a, you know, detailed and very, not simple, but a non-biased opinion of your situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think the hardest part about it is, you know, deciding to go find one. I mean... Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. shout out to Psychology Today because that website is the best Great. if you need to find someone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're right. Yeah. You shop around. You read their, you know, you read their their blurbs, if you want to call it. And then some some of them have reviews. I don't read other people's reviews because I that, yeah. that's just not for me. But um, yeah. you find someone to talk to. And, you know, right. I, I think it's great that, you know, you have embraced it. You know, I've embraced it. And I wish more people would. Me too. You know, we would have a lot of stuff yeah. that's going on today. Um, so Jamie, before we wrap up, um, and I do this with everyone, this has almost nothing to do with what, uh, we're talking about, but you know, I am a musician and I know you're a big music fan. So, and music can be very therapeutic. What have you been listening to lately that might, you know, that you're really into music wise, anything? Okay. <laughs> okay. I am not into any new music. I need to tell you that. There's nothing I... wrong with that. Love, uh, don't judge me. I mean, I think you already know this. I am a big fan of Kelly Clarkson and Maroon 5 and Backstreet Boys. And their music, like, is just so, you know, 90s, 2000, uplifting. You know, not really Kelly Clarkson stuff now, but, like, the stuff from the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just empowering. And I think it really, you know, given all this stuff with COVID-19, I think any music is amazing and i agree with you that it can you know it can get anybody through anything and yeah kelly clarkson my friends make fun of me all the time because you know i I, you know i went to music school and i studied all these super serious you know composers from every single genre and when i tell them that i am a huge 90s pop rock fan and even even (laughs) just pop fan like I'll put on Backstreet Boys. I'll put on In Sync. Yeah. Ninety-eight yeah. Degrees and Rising is a great album. I oh, don't care what anyone yeah. says, right? It is. So, like, I, listen, I get it. Whatever music makes you happy is your music, you know. And you know, yeah. I always say to my students the first day we have like uh, my general music history of rock and roll class, like, you never put down someone else's music. Yeah. I write them up if they do. Um, oh my god, that's awesome! I have because, and I say it. They're like, "How can you do it?" I'm like, "You don't know what music." can do as a powerful you know part of this universe like you don't know what song might have saved someone from hurting themselves you don't know what song is so deep to someone that it hits them on you know such a level that if you tell them that that song is a derogatory word which you know obviously has no place in in any type of description like what are you going to do to that person they're like oh yeah Wow, Mr. Grill. <laughs> but you know, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. See, I threw you for a loop. I had to do it. Um, I like that. I like that. Awesome. Okay. So last thing, where can people find you on social media if awesome. they have heard so, your story and want to connect with you? 
If you want to connect with me, I am most active on Instagram. So at Jamie Devin, J-A-M-I-E-D-E-V-I-N. Um, you can find my business page on Facebook and it's at Jamie Devon. Um, and you can go to my website, which is www.jamiedevonwilson.com. Awesome. And I'll have all of that up when your episode goes live too. So people can just conveniently click a link. So Jamie, Thanks. thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate thank it. You and for it's, having me. Of course, of course. It's great to catch up with you too, because, yeah. you know, we're adults now. Sometimes yeah. we uh, lose touch for a little while, so. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Thanks Agreed. a lot, Jamie. Thank you.